Welcome to the Vision Lab Podcast, where we give a voice to the voiceless. I'm Ryan Cuffey, alongside my co-host, Mr. Wait a minute. This is a special episode. I am joined today with my beautiful, my elegant, my wonderful, my splendid, my anchor, my rock, Mrs. Heather Cuffey. Hey, boo. (laughs) Hey, how are you? I'm grateful. How are you? (laughs) I'm fantastic. This is awesome. You're going to be hosting the show today. Yes. Thank you for having me. So let's kind of get into it. Um, Who do we have on the show today? Well, I am so excited to have my dear friend on the show. And I'm even more ecstatic that I get to team up with you as today's guest co-host and interview her personally. (laughs) She is a native of Tyler, Texas, and an alumna of the University of Arlington with a bachelor's degree in business management, in addition to a two-year certification in medical office management. She's a serial entrepreneur, published, highly successful author, and also has an extensive background in sales and development. But her most important role in life is being a mother to her beautiful daughter, Gabrielle. Please welcome Miss Cena Banks. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here with the both of you today. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so, thank much, you so much. Yes. Two beautiful ladies here in the Vision Lab podcast. And I, for one, am super excited. Um, so let's just jump right on into it, huh? Yeah, sounds good. So when did you move here from Tyler? Uh, 2005. Okay. Yeah, 2005. What brought you here? What made you decide, okay, <laughs> Tyler, gotta go. Although I love Tyler growing up there, uh, building everlasting friendships there. A lot right. of my family was there. Um, a lot of my family started to slowly transition to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, we were coming up here on the weekends just to kind of visit a lot. So I did like it, but I was terrified about this traffic because right. being in a small town and coming up here, just riding in the traffic was just way too much for me. But um, getting closer and closer to graduating high school, I knew that I had to do something different. And I knew that um, the mindset that I had at that time, whatever I wanted to do, it wasn't going to happen in Tyler, Texas. So um, it was an easy transition for me because most of my family was already here and my grandmother and my aunts. And so I decided to move in 2005. Well, I'm so glad that you did. Yeah, for sure. So now what high school did you go to in Tyler? Because y'all, y'all got some football out there. We do. Okay. <laughs> we do. Um, I went to both high schools, actually. So, so I you know. have no allegiance to anyone. You're right there in the middle. I know. So I, I ended up going to um, John Tyler but I wanted to play tennis and they didn't have a tennis team. So I moved to Robbie Lee and I wasn't supposed to be at John Tyler anyway. I was using my grandmother's address. You know how that works. Um, See, that's how we know. (laughs) Tyler, John Tyler, y'all out there recruiting folks. Yeah. And so I ended up back um, at Robbie Lee and playing tennis. So. Tennis. I did not know you played tennis. I did. Finding out different things about you. I love it. Yes, ma'am. I played tennis. I loved it. So, Big city, Dallas, versus, um, would you call Tyler country? I don't want to offend anybody out there. Um, You know, a lot of people do call it country. When I say that I'm from Tyler, it's country. But I guess from the time that I've lived here, I, I guess I could say it's country. It's, it, it's actually not country. It's just smaller. And the, the people there are different. Their mindsets are different. And um, it's it would be considered country if I wasn't from there. But since I'm from there, I'm just going to say it's a nice small town. Way to save, yeah. save them. <laughs> yeah. Well, so tell me, 
So when you moved here, when did you start? Because you're, I just, I have to get into it. I love the fact that you're always telling me about a new business. You have this new idea. When did you develop this incredible entrepreneurial mindset? Well, Heather, it's funny because at the time I was about nine years old and I didn't realize what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. But um, I have an aunt and it's crazy because she still does some of the same things now that she's living here. But um, my mom was like, I need, we were at my, at my aunt's house and she said, I need you to keep uh, Cena this weekend um, while I work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, and my aunt was like, well, if, if she's going to stay with me, then she's going to help me with this yard sale. And so my aunt was always throwing yard sales. And I was like, well, okay, sure. And so she got me up really, really early on one Saturday morning. It was like 6 a.m just to do the setup and set everything out literally in her, the, her on her lawn and partially in her garage. And um, I went out there, I didn't eat, I did not want to do it, right? If it was left up, up to me at nine years old, I'll wake up and eat a bowl of cereal and watch cartoons. But she did a, a yard sale and um, I, I noticed people back then yard sales were huge uh, or at least where we were and um so many people just started pulling up getting out of their cars and picking up merchandise she was selling things for like a dollar three dollars ten dollars and i was like wow people are just giving her money for used stuff why do they want used stuff and um i had a little area she was like you can work this area the moment that someone gave me handed me cash and i gave them something I, I was like, wow, this was easy, right? This this was easy. And so I didn't know at that time that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I knew that I wanted to earn my own money, right? I wanted to earn my own money because I knew money got you things. And so I guess I could say that it started there. Wow. Yeah. So do you think that that's what instilled this amazing like work ethic that you have? Um, I think it has, I think it was a starting point. Right. Um, however, really understanding at that point and then watching my mother go to work. My mom, I never remembered her not having a job. And so as a child growing up, even through my teenage years, my mom was always working. Um, She took some time off. She had breast cancer, literally got better, recovered, went right back to work. And that's all I remember is her working, 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 working. And I knew that her exchanging her time um, she was obviously being compensated for that. And we were still living average. We were, we were living average. And I knew that she was living paycheck to paycheck. Although I didn't at that time know that it was paycheck to paycheck, but I knew that she would be like, I have to wait till I get paid. I have to wait till I get paid. And so um, at that moment, I knew that I didn't want to ask my mom for money, although I still did it anyway, <laughs> as a young age. Um, I knew that I wanted to have a job. So I early already knew like I need a job. That was my first, it wasn't, I want to start a business, but it's, I want a job to make my own money and make my own profit. So it would, I would definitely say I picked up my first portion of work ethic from my mom and really understanding the importance of work ethic and understanding the importance that it was mandatory in order to really just survive, not, not be above and beyond, but really just survive. But I did know Heather very early on that I was not going to just survive. I was going to be, I was going to do more than that. And while you have done that, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Tell me, when you're always coming up to me like, Heather, I have this business, this idea. How do you, because I mean, as an entrepreneur, your businesses are not going to always be successful. Yeah. How do you overcome that hurdle? Because I know there are a lot of listeners out there that are like, I want to start a business. I don't know where to begin. I'm worried that it may fail. And you've had several and you have 
been, you've had this mindset since you were a child. How did you overcome that fear of failure, but still keep going, knowing that it's okay, this may not work, another business may thrive? Like, how did you get to that point? That's that's a good question. Um, it's, when I first went all in, I'll talk about my first company. Um, I started a business at the age of 26. My first company, it was called Diligent Payments. I started Diligent that- Diligent what? Diligent Payments. Okay. And I started that company because I worked five years in credit card processing and I knew the industry so well. And at that time for five years, that was my way out, right? I was at that company. I was digging my way out in the beginning stages of being a single mom. That company, um, I wouldn't say that company set me free. It's that's when I had a shift of my mindset. And, the, and on the show, we, my partner, my co-host, Ryan Mosley, um, likes to call that your light bulb moment. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, after I had my daughter, um, her dad and I were together for a little while. And then it wasn't until we separated that I knew like, okay, we were living comfortable. We had a really nice house. We're living together. And um, I was like, okay, I'm comfortable. I had an income. He's a police officer. He had a pretty decent income at the time. And so when that changed and I I knew I didn't really I honestly did not know the meaning of real struggle until like that first year that we separated. And all I knew is that I couldn't work in retail anymore because I was selling diamonds at K Jewelers and Jared's and and doing really well there. But that was prior to me having my daughter. I was making money, but I was reckless with my money and I wasn't managing it because I was young. Right. I didn't have any children. And so after I had my daughter, her dad and I separated, um, I then said, Wow. It wasn't until after I had my daughter that I felt struggle. I felt it because I'm like, I'm a single mom. I have rent. I have daycare. I have car note. And in my mind, I still wanted to live the same way I was living before we separated. So I went and got a really, really nice apartment. Um, just still doing the same things kind of that, that I was doing, not realizing that I have one income and I was young. I was just very young. And so I, got, I ended up getting a job in corporate America, which was the credit card processing company. Um, I was promoted my first three months of starting. It's just because I was really, really hungry. And I was like, I got to do something. So these, these guys are making a base plus commission. How can I really get that commission? And so um, I was promoted early on. And I, within that company, I was promoted several times. I ended up being sales manager, um, had 13, 14 sales reps underneath me. And I did so well in that industry and I made the money. And I was at that point, I was like, okay, now I'm managing. Now I'm maintaining, I'm growing, I'm paying bills, I'm saving. Um, but I still wasn't smart enough with my money at that point. And when I left there, I was like, I want to start my own company. I can be doing this myself independently. And so I started a company called Diligent Payments. I'll never forget. I had two reps working underneath me. It was kind of like a, it was like a just me type company and selling credit card processing. But the problem was, it was, I was in it for the money, but I hated it, right? I did not really like doing it. And I was actually making money, but it wasn't fun for me anymore. My phone was ringing on the weekends. And I was just like, this isn't fun for me anymore. So I started, I did that for two years and started getting calls from um, companies. Like once you're, you get a certain amount of accounts, they want to buy those accounts from you. And so I uh, partnered with the bank in Omaha, Nebraska. They ended up buying all the accounts for me, from me, got the money that I um, got from them. And I was like, I sat down and said, what do I really want to do? Like, what do, what do I like? And I remember we could be at Walmart, Target, with my mom when I was a kid. And I would always want a handbag. 
it it didn't matter if it was the bag was two dollars, twelve dollars. Until this day, I'll carry you know a three thousand dollar purse or a thirty dollar bag. To me, it's all about the look of it and the feel of it. And so, um, I got on Facebook and made a video, and I was selling purses, and people started buying them. And I was like, people want to buy these, right? Well, now I started thinking, well, people are emailing me about buying these purses. How how are they going to buy it from me? Right. How can how how are we going to exchange money? And so that's when I started thinking, and I started thinking, and I started doing more and more videos. And then I started doing my research and it's it's all in the research. And I did a ton of research on finding wholesalers. I was already naturally a negotiator. So I would not go online, I would call them. Um, call them, negotiate deals down um, in order to resell my purses. And what I found is when I started, started diligent payments, I did it because it's something I had to do and I did it for the money. But when I started handbag happiness, I was happy doing it. And I really didn't even care about the money. So passion exactly. was a big driver for you. It was fun for me. It, it was just fun for me at that time. And then when you're doing something that's fun, it just, the money, it just mm-hmm. comes naturally without you thinking about it. So I have a question because that's a great point. But to those entrepreneurs that are excited and are having fun, but say when they start getting to a certain part where it's no longer fun, how do you maintain and how do you what do you recommend to get them to keep going? What's some what's good advice for them? Business is not always pretty, right? Exactly. It sounds pretty when you say oh, I own a business and especially you pretty. like you have your own boutique that sounds mm-hmm. so fun. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's late hours, you know. I had nights where in China it's 9 a.m. over here it's 2 a.m., you know, and I'm on the or on the phone with them whatever time there's a huge time difference. It's late nights, it's early mornings and your mind never stops. And um you know, I would just say if you if you get tired or burnt out, then maybe add something new, add a new new ingredient um, or take a break. Definitely take a break. OK, thank you. That's a great idea, because, you know, sometimes as an entrepreneur, you'll be like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. But then say something happens and then people just want to quit. So that's that's a great that's great advice. Add a different ingredient or just try change up something just to keep it invigorating and, and new. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Well, we're actually going to take a break and we'll be back soon. This is Sina Banks, CEO of Handbag Happiness, and you're listening to the Vision Lab podcast with Cuff and Mo. Welcome back to the Vision Lab podcast. And we've got none other than Miss Cena Banks, the motivated woman. What an incredible story uh, you, you, you have. I mean, at nine years old, you're in, in the summer, you're with your aunt. She's doing a yard sale. I want to go back to that moment. If you can remember that, um, that first moment where you actually got a dollar for the transaction. Can you describe the value of that feeling? Absolutely. I I was excited about it. It was, I felt like I had done something. And I don't know if it was, well, while I made a sale for my aunt or wow, I can really do this. And I started out not knowing how it was going to be. I didn't want to even do the yard sale, but doing it after that moment, I wanted to help her every weekend. I was like, I'll help you every weekend. And um, it was just, it was a natural thing to me 
trading, you know, goods for money. It was just fun. It was fun. And I knew at that moment, that's when I realized the value of, you know, trading your time or some type of, of um, item and getting money in return for that. Now, so. you just said something huge to me. So, you know, most people that are W-2 employees do what? We trade time for money. Exactly. Right. And so as an entrepreneur, you know, you're not trading that time for your money. You're not going in, clocking in. You're, you're doing it in a different way. Yes. Um, and so did you, were you able to to pick up on that? Because later on, you actually go back and uh, start working in, you know, as a W-2 employee, because you, as you mentioned before, you know, you realize that you guys were, were doing good, mm-hmm. but probably living more paycheck to paycheck and you didn't want to ask your mother for, you know, for money. So you went out and got your job. Yes. And yeah. so talk to us about having an actual nine to five or probably in your situation, a part-time job as a, you know, as a kid. Yeah. Um, I, I, at that moment at nine, I knew like, well, I'm not really old enough to get a job so I can help. I can do things. And then I realized, okay, I need to really like start earning real allowances. But, um, at the age of 16, I was able to actually get a job. And my first job, believe it or not, was at Whataburger. And um, shout out to Whataburger. <laughs> People love Whataburger. It, it's huge in East Texas. Get a number five. <laughs> it's huge in East Texas. And um, I got my first job at Whataburger. I went in, I applied, and they hired me. And I was working part time. And um, at that time, you know, as a teenager, you are working towards something. So I was like, I want this, I want this, and I want this. So. It, for me, it was more of, I'll get a job so that I can have money, so that I can get my nails done, so that I can buy whatever I want, so I don't have to worry about begging my mom for it, right? Let me ask you this. Do you think that that is the right mentality, that, or let me rephrase that. Do you feel like that's the right thing, ideology, to, to be teaching our kids instead of, hey, develop something, a system, um, a business something for you to make money off of versus going to work for someone? You know, that's a good question because I I teach my daughter now the importance of earning money and not just asking for it, right? And so, and then talking about daughter, um, one of the things I I do with her is I make her do things around the house in order to earn an allowance. And when I give her an allowance, I teach her the importance of saving, which I did, I was not really taught that. And it, for me, it was get a paycheck, go buy whatever I want, whatever, and mm-hmm. wait to the next one. And so because I learned that through my mistakes, I teach my daughter now, if your allowance is $20, you're going to put $10 away. And Amen. then the other half is what we consider fun money. And that's what we and do with my daughter yeah, too, right? Yeah. So this is your fun money. The rest of it goes away. And my daughter now probably has more savings than you know a 30-year-old because I taught her early. If I give you $10, you're putting five away. Period. And so it's definitely important to teach your kids not only that it's important to have a, you know, learn how to earn money, but put it away. And so to answer your question, Ryan, um, it is important to, I, I think, yes, I like the luxury of having a job. But for me, a, a job is working up to something, right? It's, it's working up to something and you're using it in my mind as of today is a reoccurring business loan because you take every like por- a portion of everything that you earn and put it back into something that matters to you, whether it's your business, whether it's saving, wh- whatever. So it can bring um, a springboard or a launching pad, uh, a resource for you that funds your next project exactly. with the idea in mind that, hey, eventually I want to 
do X. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, that's, I, I, I would tell someone like, if you want, I'm not telling people don't work a W-2, don't work a job, um, especially if it's, um, for me, I don't believe in, and, and maybe years ago it worked. I remember listening to a Steve Harvey story and, and several other um, successful people now today where they jump out and they just quit their job and they just follow their dream. Well, and Steve Harvey, if I'm not mistaken, he he was homeless for a couple of years. Three and years, I think. He slept yeah. in his car for two years. That's not what I want. I I, I don't want to do that. And I don't even want to take that chance with my daughter. Yeah, you can't afford to exactly, do that exactly. at this and, particular time. Exactly. And so for me, as soon as my, my um, handbag happened and started doing really, really well, and we'll talk more about that, um, I was like, I had a moment where I was like, because you'll, you'll get to that point. Once you own a side business and it starts to outweigh your job, you'll be at work one day and you're, you'll feel like, I don't need this. I, I don't have to deal with this. I have a business. And you have to just breathe and take a break and say, you know what, this is, my job is a resource right now. And it's a reoccurring business loan. And everything that I, I earn here, I put it back into my my company. I love so that. Um, for me, it was just like, I want to quit today, but I'm not where I want to be. You have to have a five-year plan. So I'll work hard. I'll work hard for, for five years so that the next 25 years, I don't have to work 12, 13 hours, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. So I'm willing to put in the hard work right now. And so what I call that, you know, is just grinding. Yeah. You know, and I know that Gabby's watching you saying, all right, mom's out there getting it. Yeah. That impression is long lasting. And, and you know, big shout out to you for that. Um, but talk about, you, you, we talked about just now kind of leveraging your current W-2 position and or job to develop the skill sets, to develop the mental attitude or the fortitude and um, really go, you know, where you want to go and utilizing that job to take you there. Yes. Um, so when you got up to the point where you were 26-ish, mm -hmm. you were making some good change. Yes. But you were doing what? Just kind of blowing it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not making good decisions. Can you talk about the importance or the value of money management? Money management is important um, because you can you can have money, but if you're not managing right, you can make six figures, but it'll still it can still feel like you're making you know fifty thousand dollars a year if you're not managing that six figures right. right. And so what I started to do, and I had already started reading very early. I got into sales. I knew I wanted to be really good at it and I didn't have anyone else around me that I really knew that was really good at it. So I started reading. I started reading. I started watching YouTube videos. I started watching motivational videos, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, all of those people, Mel Robbins. And it started with, before I jump into any of that, the first thing you have to do is shift your mindset. Amen. That's the, it starts with your mind because in order to really be in business and, and in sales, you know this too, you have to have mental toughness because if you don't, you will fail and you will sink. And so um, I guess I kind of got off track there. <laughs> Whatever no, question hey, you were this, asking. This, is, this um, is beautiful because it's organic and I love that. Yeah. And, you know, having that ability to leverage the skills and then being able to, you know, in this situation for you, jump into sales. Now you're making money, mm -hmm. money management is, you know, kind of what yeah. we we're talking about. But life happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you have to and to jump on the money management portion of it, um, you start earning and you get excited. And I was just making money, but not paying attention to 
what did I what did I actually profit and what did I lose? Right. So balancing PL sheets, I, I had to learn how to do that all by myself. Um, how do I how do I in with retail? We'll talk about you have to itemize everything. Um, people they want to know how much did you start with in the beginning of the year? How much did you end with? And so it it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And so once I was able to sit down and start realizing, OK, I made this much from my job. This portion of my salary from my job um, went to my business. This portion of my business that I, well, I actually bought stuff and, and it was my loss. This is how much I profited from it. And so now I pay very close attention to the numbers and you have to, because now I know what I can save, what I can't save, what I can do um, ahead of time. So Jeez. it's like I, I, I do like a whole 12 month, 14, in my mind now, I, I calculate by 14 months. Um, most Why of my 14 finances. months? It's just, it just works better for me. The 14 month plan, it, it just works better for me because naturally we say, they say, this is your, this is your 12 months, right? It, it's, it's considered a year. Well, for me, I still have things that, that carry on within the beginning of the year. And so I, I do a 14 month plan. Okay. So do you have anyone to help you with this plan? Like, or do you do it all on your own? Like, this is just incredible. Well, I have now I have a financial advisor okay. that I use um, and she's part time. Right. I'm not a millionaire yet. So, yeah. um, yes, <laughs> um, you work. And those they are expensive. And so um, she's part time. And so that's another thing that you have to learn with money management. When you can't do it all yourself, you need to find someone that can help you with it and find someone that maybe someone recommended to you. Um, just get some type of help. And if you can't get help, it's research like research and some stuff you can research and you still won't be able to find it. You just have to like figure it out on your own. So for those entrepreneurs that are like, okay, I know I need to research, but where do I begin researching? What are some good resources that you can recommend to them? Um, Google, <laughs> Google, um, you know, um, people call it YouTube, but I call it YouTube university. I mean, it's so much stuff that you can Somebody find. just hit me on yeah. social media with that today. Yeah. I asked a question. They said, <laughs> get on YouTube university. That's a great resource. Yeah, it is. I mean, you would be surprised. YouTube University. When I was doing my first online store, I couldn't figure out how to like, um, like organize my items and all that. I literally went to YouTube and keyed it in and searched for like three hours until I found the exact same platform that I was using in order to learn how to do it. Wow. Yeah, because... Again, at that time, I didn't know anyone else that was really doing. I, I knew people, but I wasn't communicating with those those people. And so, um, you just have to figure it out. And once you figure it out, it just it becomes it's like a natural thing to you. So, okay, you have a full time job. Yes, you have a successful business. Mm -hmm. You say that you were when you're trying to research things. Sometimes you can spend three hours hunting for something. What do you say to people that are like, I just have time managing my time? How, like, because hmm. it's, it's only 24 hours in a day, but you make it happen. Yeah. What do you recommend them? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Heather, at one point I was, and you know, um, going to work every morning and Woo! leaving, you know, I had an employee running my store during the day. Yes. I was at work making money and I would leave, go get my daughter go to my store and close and sometimes be there until 10 o'clock at yes. night. During the holiday season, the mall never closes, right? We know it's open seven days a week. And so that's another lesson I learned. I know I I didn't need to be in a mall, right? I need to be able to uh, run my boutique on my own time. And so those are just lessons that you learn along the way. Um, but 
the time management is huge and you're going to you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of sleep. You're going to have to sacrifice um, going out. I, I had friends that I had to cut off in order to just say, hey, I can't do this anymore. I, I have to I have to focus because if you really, really want something, you make time for it. So getting up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., the average person wakes up at 7 a.m. You're getting uh, multiple hours ahead of them. And literally just by waking up two hours earlier than the average person at 7 a.m. every morning, that literally gives you 12 more days in a year. Yeah. Did you know that? And so I didn't realize that until I ran up on it. I was like, man, I'm getting 12 more days than everyone else. So I now I put everything on my calendar that I want to get done, that I feel so like smart. I want to get done. All the other stuff, I just play it by ear. And it's time slots. I say, okay, if I get up at 4.30, from 4.30 to 5, this is what I'm doing. From 5 to 5.20, this is what I'm doing. And then I know by 6 a.m. I need to be waking my daughter up to get her ready for school. And then I need to be getting ready for work. Um, So how do you manage this? And it sounds great, right? People that are listening are like, yeah, girl, that sounds fantastic. You know, you're getting up at 4 a.m. You can work till whenever. Mm -hmm. But... I, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Who? Do, what do you say to those people in terms of, you know, how do I try to get 12 more days out of the year? I, I'm, I'm struggling to use the 365 that I have right now. Yeah. Um, I call it a blueprint. You just have to have a blueprint. And it takes a lot of self-discipline. Everything takes a lot of self-discipline because... When I just, and I say this all the time, I use this analogy, it's probably cheesy. Every building around us in this city had to start from somewhere. And they knew like, hey, I'm gonna start, I I have to draw this up in order to really, to get this building. And you're gonna run into bumps around the road. And so um, sitting, sitting down and not writing like a goal. I used to just write my goals out for the whole year. You have to literally write it out every day or every week. You have to know what you're doing. And so if you know what you're doing, you can look at it and remember, this is what I need to do. So managing your time, writing it down and having a plan not just month to month or year to year, but day by day, literally. It's outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Well, listen, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back more with Sina Banks, the motivated woman here on the Vision Lab podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Sina Banks, owner and CEO of Handbag Happiness and published author of 17 Rules of a Successful Single Mother here on the Vision Lab podcast. Um, Go and visit handbaghappiness.biz and get your monthly subscription to receive a fashionable bag delivered to your house every month. Mention the Vision Lab podcast and receive uh, buy one, get one free off your first monthly subscription. Um, Also, go and check out Amazon.com or BornsandNoble.com to purchase my book, 17 Rules of a Successful Single Mother. Welcome back to the Vision Lab podcast. This is Heather Cuffey with Miss Sina Banks. So, Sina, let's go back into this time management. Tell me, like, just explain a little bit more about that because I love that. I love the whole 12 days concept and not just writing down your plan, but really just getting, becoming one with the universe, focusing on it, making it manifest. Talk a little bit more about that. 
Um, I guess let me just pencil back and, and start by saying that it is very hard. It's easy to sit here and say, because you hear it's cliche, you hear everyone say, write your goals down, write it down, write everything down you want to do. And because the first couple weeks I was writing everything down that I knew I needed to do, but I still wasn't getting everything Nothing done. Nothing happened. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, dang it, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. Oh, well, I'll just do it on Wednesday, right? It is a huge piece of that. You can write it down all day, but the self-discipline is key. You have to be self-disciplined. I don't even watch TV now to this day. Like if I watch a show, it's me pulling up maybe a Netflix because maybe I had an extra hour in my day, but I don't watch TV. I can't tell you anything that's on television. If I do something, I go to the movies. And so long story short, it's just knowing how to manage your time and figure out what's important. Do you need to get that that episode of, you know, whatever is out? Real Housewives of Hollywood. Exactly. Do you, <laughs> how is that going to feed you, right? Does that feed you? Does it feed your soul? And so for me, I had to say, dang, man, you know what? I could have just not did this and, and did that. So can I let me yes. jump in real quick? Amen, sister. I am all about that. <laughs> yes. If it's not. If it's not an asset or if it's not adding to my asset column. It's not for me. Yes. I, th- I do believe that there's a time and place for everything. And, and Heather can tell you, I really do not watch TV. Mm-mm. I come home, I'll, I get on YouTube University, or I'm writing things down. I'm trying to learn and figure this thing out, right? Yeah. Um, but me sitting watching, now obviously football season is here. So that's going to be a little bit of a struggle. But for, that's what I said, there's a balance, you know, for everything. But for the most part, you're not going to catch me on that TV. Yeah. No, that's important because I'm telling you, so many hours can go by just watching TV. And the only reason I have televisions in my house is because of my daughter, right? I can't make her suffer and not watch her favorite shows, but she has a laptop and she can log on to whatever show she wants to watch um, or she can watch television. But other than that, I, I just don't even turn it on. So, so yeah. So just um, being able to say, okay, measuring things. What's important? Should I watch this show or should I watch a YouTube video on how to do something? You hear what I'm saying? Or should I go work out or just, you know, sit around for another hour or so? The self-discipline is key. Self-discipline and not only writing down what you're going to do, but measuring and knowing the importance of every single thing that you put on your list. That's really good. So you're mentioning, of course, your daughter. Tell me how the time management played into effect with your daughter. Because that's huge. I mean, working a full-time job, then leaving work to go run your business, and then on the weekends too. Yep, absolutely. And one thing I will say with having a lot going on and with my mind, I'm telling you, you you will forget forget a lot of things. And so with my daughter, I realized that in, in doing living the lifestyle that I live, I you, you are going to have to sacrifice some things. Right. So and one thing that I say that for my daughter, it's if she, she wanted to be in dance and I couldn't put her in dance because at one point I had two jobs. And so I was leaving one nine to five. My mom luckily was living nearby and she would get my daughter for me. And I would literally go from six to nine and work at little the Jared's out in Frisco. Um, so I worked all day. And so I had to say, well, I need this in order to really be able to provide for my daughter. Um, so she can't do dance right now because doing dance is going to cost me more money. Makes sense. So um, you have to pencil in like, what? how am I going? I know my daughter wants to do this. How am I going to pencil it in? So for me, the most important thing and what kids really remember is the time that you spend with them and the time that you put in. And I had to realize that 
and stop feeling guilty. And so I always make sure that I, I do something fun with my daughter, especially on the weekends where she's not with her dad. I make sure that that's on my weekly to-do list. Spend time with my daughter, whether it's reading a book with her, whether it's, um, you know, taking her out to main event where she likes to go or skating, um, or whether it's just helping her with homework. But most importantly, I have a alarm on my phone that goes off when it says it's spelling time, right? I make sure that she's learning as many words as possible to make sure that she can read um, on the level that she needs to be reading on. So the I, with that, you have to measure what's important with your with, my, with your kids too, because I have to measure what's important with my daughter. Is it playtime or study time? And if we have study time, how can we get in enough playtime? So, so, so how do that's you a part balance? of my list. Gabby's definitely a part of my my to-do list every day. For sure. How do you balance, you know, it's a school year. Mm -hmm. How do you balance? Um, and if we need to, you know, rewind the, the, the clocks, how do you balance your nine to five, your, then your five to nine and then help her with her English or her math or her reading or whatever school subject it is? Yeah. So, I'll say when we'll talk about most recently leaving from going to one job and going to open my boutique at night. Um, so she goes to before and after daycare, right? So my daughter, at one point I was paying almost 300 every Monday just for her to go to daycare. So that was expensive in itself. Now she's going to the fifth grade. I'm literally paying about $85 a week to make sure that she goes to before they take her. And then after, which is like at six, they um, they pick her up from school for me um, and take her back to daycare and I go and grab her. So um, during the time at my store, I would make sure that, hey, it, luckily for me at the daycare, if I picked her up a little bit later, all of her homework was already done. So that was a part of what I was paying for is making sure that um, they helped her with a portion of her homework. And whatever she didn't get finished, um, we would either knock it out during downtime at the store during the week, or we would um, do it when we got home at night. So it's just, you just have to, you have to figure it out and there's always a way. One thing I didn't know is we were definitely going to get homework done. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So I want you to specifically talk to our single mothers that are out there that are grinding, that want it, that have a vision of a better life for them, for themselves and their, their kids or their, their child or what have you. Um, how do you, what are you saying to them? Um, that's, that's a really good question, Ryan, because for years, and I still don't have it all figured out, but for years I would always say, man, I wish there was just like a manual on how to do this stuff. And, right. and every time I would figure something out, I would say, man, I'm going to, I'm going to write this down and I'm going to write a book one day. And I kept saying, I'm going to write a book about mm. this one day. And I wrote a book, uh, 17 rules of a successful single mother. One more time. 17 rules of a successful single mother. Man, that's crazy. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. awesome. And, you know, being a mom, um, it's more than 17 rules. There are a lot of rules and you can't put it all in one book. I would be writing for the rest of my life. But what I did is I put the rules that apply to me and that help me. It talks about, you know, letting go of the ties. It talks about time management. It talks about dating as a single mom. It talks about saving money, credit score. It talks about all those things that as a single mom that you need, just the basic, the basic rules that help me that now I know 
if I would have did this better, my credit would have been better. If I would have did this better, I would have been able to save money. So what I'll say to all the single moms is definitely go pick up a copy of my book. That's the first Where thing. Where can they get it? Um, they can find that at amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. And um, one thing I will say, if you are a single mom and you feel stuck, because I felt stuck for a very long time, really sit down and the first thing is be self-aware, right? Because when you are self-aware of who you are, what you want, and and self-talks, I thrive off of self-talks, that then instills confidence in you. And the confidence is what gets you up to speed to really start using your mind and acknowledging what you want. And most importantly, acknowledging the bad parts of your life that you know you need to change. Um, and once you realize that I need to change these things, that's a good thing. You've, you've reached something because you, you're acknowledging the things you need to change. And um, I would just say, do what you can with what you have, but don't settle. There is always a way, right? Always a way. When your kids are asleep, get up and do your research. Um, instead of going out on the weekends when you have a babysitter, do your research. Um, and most importantly, have the go, go, go mentality. And that's what I have. That's why, Heather, I'm always coming to you talking about business ideas. And if one doesn't work out, you keep going. And you just you just have to continue creating. Create, create, create. And that's where I realize I love creating and I love business. Um, but you have to just continue to create. And as a single mom, and just not even just as a single mom, in general, you're going to have doors that don't open for you. You're going to have opportunities that don't open for you, that don't come to you, but you have to create your own opportunities. You just have to create. If it wasn't for me, I, handbag happiness wouldn't be there. I created that opportunity because I didn't want to just have a part-time job. I wanted to create my own, my own business. And luckily for me, it was profitable the very first year. And if it wasn't for me, like my book would have never came. So you create, you, you create your, your own opportunity. You create your own opportunities um, yourself because when, when, when someone else doesn't give you that promotion that you want, then just create your own opportunities. I love that. And you know, I, one of the things that I love about you is you're so humble. She's sold over 20,000 copies of this book. What? And I am, I'm not even a mother yet. And I have her book and it's amazing. And I just, please check it out. It's so many great successful tips for moms to just thrive and do well. And, you know, if you could just pick out one specific nugget, just to give them a little teaser, what's the key thing that you think would be so inspirational for those single moms out there that are just struggling that just need some assistance and are like, man, I need to pick this book up. I heard that one nugget and that's just a life changer. Hmm, only one nugget. Wow. Um, man, I would just say, let's see, let's see. Just create your own opportunities. Um, right. that that's one nugget, but Heather, I can't just give one. Give um, more than one. Set goals for yourself. Yes. Set goals for yourself and act on those goals. Mm. And shift your mindset. Whatever you're you were doing before and whatever you're doing right now, it's not working. Right. So it is mandatory for you to shift your mindset set and become self-aware. Mm-hmm. And for me, it I started finding and becoming more self-aware through meditation. And um, you just have to sit down and, and take time with yourself and by yourself. 
So I'll say a couple things. The first thing is um, gain your mental toughness and your mental strength because you're going to need it in order to be confident and remain confident because you can have confidence and then, you know, we can drop here and there and give yourself self-talk. So shift your mindset, build that, that confidence that you need within yourself. And once you build that confidence, write down your goals and start setting goals. And once you start setting goals, start building a blueprint on how you're going to get those goals accomplished. Don't just write a long list, have a timestamp. I'm going to do this at this time. And this is why I'm going to do it. And this is how I'm going to do it. It's, it has to be very detailed. Now, are you really doing this? Yes. Do you keep a journal? I, I don't have a pad or something that I don't. And I'm having a vision board event actually coming up, but I do a vision book literally where I turn from page to page to page. And I have sticky notes all over my um, bedroom, my bathroom mirror. Not even kidding you. Here's my vision book right here. Yep. I have a, I have a vision book and it has pictures. It has a lot of notes and it has time stamps on it. And like I have it highlighted, color coded. I even have the little sticky notes like in there on certain things. Not yeah. even kidding. And yeah. another thing is I can attest that she definitely does meditate, especially <laughs> like during her lunch break at work because it's amazing. And one of the things that I love about that is when Oprah had Harpo Productions, she would set aside an hour for all of her employees to take a meditation break. So it's meditation is so important. So everything she's saying, she lives up to. She does. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. It is. Um, meditation, it, it can take you places and it really allows you to see who you really are. And um, once you dig deep and you tap into that, you start to become your inner self and you start living your truth um, and you realize what you really need to be doing. And you can feel it. The universe will just start talking to you everywhere. And uh, and that's real. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what else is real. 17 rules of being a <laughs> successful single mother. Uh, now out on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Yes. Um, so now here's a, here's the truth. This is self-published, right? Yes. Yo, how? <laughs> so You're I, such a <laughs> boss lady. I mean, this is yes. awesome. You, you, you are killing it right now. Um, you know, we've met a couple of times, but I, I haven't had the pleasure to really get in there. Mm-hmm. You are the de- definition of the motivated woman. So I love that. So anyway, sorry, go ahead. Tell us how you got this self-published. What's that process look like? Man, um, that's a good question because when I first started, when I the first thing I did is I knew I wanted to write a book. And like I said, I researched everything and I was like, how do I start? And so I started in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm about to get a publishing company. I'm about to pitch this idea and they're going to pay me a million dollars for my book. That's what I thought. That's not the way that it works. No one knows who Cena Banks is, right? They didn't know like who's Cena Banks. And so um, unless you're a celebrity or you have some type of platform, um, publishing companies are not going to just pay you for your book and they're not going to say, oh, my God, Cena. I want your book. You know, I'm going to pay you $2 million. But in my mind, that's that's what I thought. Sure. But then I had to circle back and, like I said, dig deep again and, and focus on why I'm writing this book and why, for me, it's a way of giving back. It's not a very long book. It's less than 200 pages um, because I know single moms, we have to, you know, read, we're going to read it and keep it going. And so um, I started doing a research and I started talking to all these publishing companies and they're like, uh, we're, we're self-publishing company. You got to pay, you know, $8,000 here 
to get, yeah, you, you have to put out some money, definitely. Um, you gotta pay that, you can pay this, and, and you're gonna be on all these platforms. And I said, man, that sounds so good. You know, they're, they're making all these promises, but do I really wanna, you know, put out $12,000 or $8,000 here and there? And then on top of that, they still, they're putting all these platforms, but they're taking a huge portion of your, of your profit. Of the, every time you sell a book, you may get 20 cents, right? I didn't want that. And so then I started to continue to research and I got into uh, the benefit of self-publishing your, your first book. And I still went through a publishing company but um, it's still self-published. So they don't do really any marketing for you, any advertising. They just um, kind of focus on the editing um, and giving you feedback, which is what you need that. If you're gonna write a book, you need to make sure that you, you, you pay a company to look at it um, because you're gonna have typos and all of this stuff. And they looked at it and then they they published it and um, it's it's still considered self-published. It's just a self-published book, but I used, I went through a publishing company. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I paid them for their services, but I own all the rights to my book. I own. So when you're going through co a company, they may say, well, this is self-published, but if you don't own certain rights of the book. And so for me, I knew I wanted to, if I'm like, if I'm putting out a little bit of money, I want to own all the rights to my book. And so that's the route that I went. And um, man, I've sold over 20,000 20, copies in the, the first year. And I'm super excited about that. And I really haven't really done too much promoting on it. It's just been kind of word of mouth. So So you've done no marketing, no promotion. I may post it, you know, on my social media platform here or there. Um, but that's really it. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. So So let's do this. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity. We just talked about social media. How can the, our visionaries find you? Yeah, if they want to follow Handbag Happiness, they can uh, go and follow um, Handbag Happiness. They can go and follow um, We Are Motivated. That's um, my women's group on Instagram. It's very new. It's still in the infant st stages. I literally just created that page. Um, and then, of course, if you're interested in purchasing my book, that can be found, again, on Amazon.com and BoynesandNoble.com. 17 Rules of a Successful Single Mother. Love it. Well, we'll be back more with The Motivated Woman. Ms. Cena Banks here on the Vision Lab Podcast. This is Cena Banks, owner and CEO of Handbag Happiness here on the Vision Lab Podcast. You can go and check us out um, on Instagram at Handbag Happiness. Also search Handbag Happiness on Facebook to find us. And definitely go and check out our website at handbaghappiness.biz. Welcome back to the Vision Lab podcast. And we've got none other than the motivated woman, Miss Cena Banks here on the podcast, the Vision Lab podcast tonight. Um, wow. I mean, you have your hands in everything. Um, handbag happiness, 17 rules of a successful single mother, 20 copies sold. You guys make sure 20,000, 20,000. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, my bad. Don't want to. <laughs> no, that. that's huge. 20,000 copies sold. Um, make sure you guys go cop one on Amazon or uh, Barnes and Nobles. Um, and then you got the money, excuse me, the, uh, the, the motiv motivated woman, which is a, a group, right? Yes. It's a new organization, uh, that was actually launched 
last year that I put on pause and it's called The Motivated Woman. And so um, basically it's a creation um, where women in the DFW area can come together, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work in corporate America. And the whole purpose of the group is for um, ongoing motivation, support and encouragement. Um, And so I had um, one of my first meetings this past Saturday where um, I kind of promoted that for a little while. And a lot of women, we all got together. Um, a lot of them were just interested in being members. And just a lot of the, the benefit of that is um, women. The crazy thing about that is you have so many different women with so many different talents in one room. And so we all benefit from each other, right? I had a, a lady there that specialized and uh, she was a massage therapist. She has her own little massage spot on Arlington. Um, one lady that um, did life coaching and um, event specialty event planning. And so everyone did something different. And um, the purpose of the group is because there's so many women, business women, just all over, um, but specifically in the DFW area. And I just wanted to create a platform where we could all connect and, um, you know, benefit from each other. And when one lady is not motivated, the, another woman can help motivate the other woman and, and encourage and, and ongoing support. So um, I now have eight um, members right now uh, that are signed up for the group. And um, I, I plan on having you know, hundreds and thousands of members. So, and you have yeah. an event coming up next month too. I do. I have a vision board um, event coming up September the seventh, and so um, all the actually hold on. The vision board party is August twenty fourth. I do have another event September the seventh for um, open enrollment for more for more members to join the group. So, and for people in the area, what time and where is that going to be? Um, the event the the event for September the seventh is at Walnut Cafe in Capel. It's one of my favorite cafes. I'm so happy that I discovered that place. <laughs> um, Black Walnut Cafe. Um, and so um, they have really good food. I'm there all the time on my laptop working. And um, that's where the, the event was this past Saturday. And then we're going to have it again on September the, se- okay. September the 7th. And we really just have dinner. We have wine um, and we chat. And, you know, women that are interested in signing up and becoming a, a, a long-term member, then they can. And if they're not, then, hey, we enjoy dinner and we enjoy wine. So That's awesome. And you yeah. have some other businesses. Um, so I just started a new business. It's called Devoted Business Solutions. Um, it is still in uh, the infant stage, as I will say, as well as my motivated women's group. These are the, the two most recent projects that I started this year. And uh, Devoted Business Solutions is for small to medium-sized businesses. So it's a whole umbrella. Um, I incorporated payment processing, which I got from my old company, Diligent Payments, um, SEO, so search engine optimization. So I partner with a, a very large company that's been doing it for a very long time. So that's still in the infant stage. Um, and so it's definitely a huge part of my plan for 2020, but it's it's up and running, devotedbusinesssolutions.com um, and the, motivated woman, the motivatedwoman.org for both of those websites. So, How do you keep your head on your shoulders? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like I said, I have to keep a day-to-day log of what I need to do and prioritize, you know, what's important, mm-hmm. what's mandatory for that day and, and what's not. So. Okay. So in, in all seriousness, um, you know, you've got several different things, not to mention a full-time job. I want to go back to uh, the Vo- Motivated Woman Group. Yes. Okay. Um, I too have a lot of different things going on. So maybe I can learn from you, right? Um, Are you leveraging your social media network to, uh, to start uh, motivated women group? Um, How are you getting that out there? That that's a good question. So the motivated women group, um, I I've had a Facebook page for that 
for a while now. And it's where I used to go on there myself and post a video or two or post a motivational quote. And then last year I said, I really want to turn this into a platform. But at that time, because sometimes as when you, when you shift your mindset, your mind will just start going. And I was so focused on my store. Um, it was taking up a lot of my time, my daughter, my job, and I couldn't really give it everything I needed. So I put it on pause. Um, but what was your question? I think I got well, you, you, It's all good. Hey, Leo's in the house, right? Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, like, how are you leveraging your, your social media network? Social media. Start, okay, good. You know, motivated Woman Group. Yeah. So um, the Facebook, what I do now, the Instagram for um, the Motivated Woman is, like I said, it's very, very small. It's still brand new. Um, but the Facebook page, you know, maybe have 300 followers possibly. And um, a lot of the promotions for the events that I've had, I've promoted on Eventbrite um, and promoted like on social media or like Facebook or something like that. So I do leverage it for events that I'm having and I just put it out there with the hopes of someone seeing it. Um, for But for my group, a lot of the events that I have and really to kind of get the traction on those, I put it on event sites where people are actually searching. And that's those are the people that I want. I want women that are searching for a solution. I want women that want to go to network events um, and try to, to do self-improvement because I know if they're showing up, they found me on Eventbrite. All of my members that came this past Saturday found me on Eventbrite and one was from Facebook. And they just walked right in and asked, are you seeing the banks? I'm like, yeah, I am. And we got everything going. And so, um, yeah, I think when you're when you're with this particular platform, The Motivated Woman, posting it on every event site that I can find and making sure that I am attracting the right people is key because you can put it on Facebook and Instagram. But for me, when they go to these events and it, they're searching for networking events, they're searching for some type of women empowerment. Those are the type of women that I that I want there. So the reason why I asked that question is as I have my hands similar to you in a lot of different pots, there's a lot of cross pollination, right? And so you don't want to go to the the cookie jar too many times. Yeah. And so I was just kind of curious and I'm asking from a, you know, selfish perspective, like, yeah. you know, are you going to the same well over and over and over again? But it, it sounds like you, you're not, which is really encouraging. So you kind of stepped outside of your social network and just did this through uh, Eventbrite or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, or really if I see a woman when I'm out, you know, I hand her a business card here's a business card, you know, go look this up. This is what we do. Um, or if I'm just in basic conversation, um, I think when it's personal, it's, it's, it's key when you're out somewhere and you're talking to someone. So handing business cards. Um, but for you, I, you know, doing a lot of different things at once, I, I, you have to start a lot of different things. Your mind starts to shift. Some things are going to work out. Some things are not going to work out and oh, well, who cares? Right. Um, but you have to figure out what you want to focus on. Like, what's getting most of your attention um you know is it handbag happiness right that's almost four years in the game it's i am hands-on but i'm not 100 like i don't have to do too much with that anymore um because it kind of just operates and the motivated moments group is a huge focus point of mine for the remainder of this year in 2020 and in 2020 and ongoing because i've realized that it's a part of my purpose to put all these women together and it's a part of my purpose um to be able to give them one-on-one -on -one time that they need and be able to make a difference so so let's talk a little bit more about that handbag happiness so okay you started that you started the handbag happiness boutique online four years ago then you recently, well, I guess not recently, but a year ago, you opened up a storefront in one of the biggest malls in the DFW area. And then you recently decided to go back 
to making it an online only boutique. Tell us about that transition and why you decided to make that change. So I'll answer that question and kind of go into a story okay. um, as well. So when I started Handbag Happiness, I literally was going out um, and doing events, right? Where I'm just literally setting up a table. This is very, very beginning. Setting up a table. I had my website built, um, but setting up a table at every event that I can find, selling my purses at every women's event that I can find, every fashion show that I can find. And the reason for me doing that at the time is because I wanted to create cash flow because I already knew I wanted to have a store. In my mind, I'm like, I want a store and I don't want a small store. I want it to be big. I want it to be everything. And so I started to take it more seriously and pay attention to the money that was coming in versus the money that was going out. And um, I was doing events. And then I found a small permanent location out in Arlington where every Saturday and Sunday, I was literally opening up a garage where there was 100 degrees outside or 30 degrees outside. I worked my money Monday through Friday, eight to five. And then Saturday and Sunday, I was working, opening handbag happiness, going to open up my little garage full of purses. And there were other vendors all out there, but it was a permanent space where I was paying about maybe 300 at the most every month to keep that space. And what that did for me is it created cash flow, right? I had my job and every Saturday and Sunday, me and my daughter, we were going out there at the flea market. My mom came out and helped me. And so we were selling, I was selling a ton of purses and getting a lot of cash flow. And what I did is I took a huge portion of that and I knew long-term I wanted a store. I didn't even know exactly how I was going to get like what we consider a real store, but I knew that I wanted and I thought it and I visualized it and I put it out there in the universe and it happened, right? And so all along, I still had my online portion, right? So I go to events and people be like, do you have an online store? Yes, I have an online store. Um, you can go to handbackhappiness.biz. And once I got the store, right, I saved up uh, a great amount of money. I, I literally put 40 grand. And when I first opened the store, I, I invested 40,000 because it was just an empty space. It was a vacant space that had been vacant in the mall for a while. And I wanted cabinetry. I wanted, you know, the right register. I wanted the right setup. And so I knew that, you know, I could have spent 15,000, but it wouldn't have been what I wanted it to be. So I, I took the risk, took that 40 grand out of my, my savings account, went and invested and opened a huge store. But again, I, for two years, did events and save money. I did, um, you know, every Saturday and Sunday, I was working seven days a week. And that's weekend. what helped, yeah. helped you to build that's, up your capital. That's what helped me build up my capital. And so a lot of business owners, they think, well, you know, I have to go and get a business loan or I have to, um, they, they want to get funding. And for me, I didn't want it to be a handout and maybe it could have been, but I didn't want to be in debt going into business. And so I, I sucked it up. I went out every weekend in 120 degree weather and sold my purses. Um, when everyone else was probably sitting on a couch watching Lifetime, that's what I did because I knew I had a goal and I had a plan in mind. So really thinking of other ways to make money in order to get to your ultimate goal. And when I got the store, everything you want and everything you visualize and you put out in the universe, uh, in most cases it'll come to you, but it doesn't mean that that's what you're supposed to be. That's not the way that it's supposed to be going. So what I'll, what I'll do to, to go ahead and answer your question completely on the online, when I finally got the store, it was amazing. It was great. It was profitable. Um, I opened perfect seasoning when it was right in the holiday and it was amazing. But what, what that store did for me, it made me realize the value of my time 
And I realized the value of my time. And um, I realized that I, I wanted to continue handbag happiness, but I didn't want to be in a store seven days a week like that and work my butt off like that. And when you get to that point, you'll start thinking. Your mind starts to just come up with ideas. And I was speaking with my financial advisor and we kind of just started talking about, you know, how can we make this um, work where I'm still, I'm not trading so much of my time and I can be investing in, in other things. And so I um, came up with the online subscriptions and that's what's working for me right now. And so it's an ongoing um, online plan where um, women can literally, like I mentioned, go and sign up online and naturally not even getting, you know, out of the bed, get a handbag delivered to their house every month. So they're getting 12 purses a month. You don't really know what you're going to get. It could be a backpack. It could be a purse. And it's loaded with um, jewelry, depending on the, the particular subscription that you purchase. So, so yeah, it, it works for me. I, I say, like, go through what you want and visualize what you want. But it doesn't mean what that can do is really just start opening up with other doors. And um, I think two years ago, if I would have thought of the online subscriptions, I still would have opened the store just because it's just something that I really wanted to get accomplished. So, Yeah, that's so perfect. I love that you can have the different subscriptions to give people options. So, yeah. you know, I've got a question um, and we kind of talked about this offline a little bit. You know, we had you had the um, brick and mortar or the store storefront and then you convert it into uh, an online store. Mm-hmm. Would, and again, this is no shade or anything like that, but yeah. would you classify this as as a failure in terms of, um, you know, being in an actual physical location? Um, I would I would say yes. And the reason I say that is because it was it wasn't the right decision. It was me mentally being selfish of knowing something that I wanted when I knew I could have just sat down and thought about it a little bit more and maybe kept that 40 grand in my pocket from investing it up front and um, just focusing on what I'm doing right now. But like I said, I, I feel like it was all meant to happen the way that it did because I probably would have never thought about the online subscriptions. So um, absolutely. Um, I think that it flowed the way that it was supposed to flow. And um, I, I got out of out of that deal, and it was just a blessing the way that that it happened. So I'm totally, I'm totally fine with the way that it happened. But yes, I would I would consider it a failure because um, I would consider it a failure that created a better opportunity. Well, we'll say that. I think it's important to note that even though you fail, or it can be viewed deemed as a failure, or whatever, doesn't mean growth doesn't happen. Exactly. And the win is within the growth, right? Yeah. So obviously you're doing mega, mega big things. Um, jack of all trades, you know, like yes. just doing the damn thing. Um, so you know, Warren Buffett has 17 sources of income, guys. He's so a billionaire. Doesn't mean I way. want 17, but I'm telling you, he's, you know, has his hands in about 17 different pots. So just I, have to keep going and not, not care what people think because people are going to think you're crazy along the way. Yeah. But you just have to keep making moves and make the moves that you feel are best for you. So I, I love everything that we talked about, you know, from goals to shifting your mindset, meditation, self-talk, purpose. Um, it sounds like you read a book that I'm very familiar with, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. And this is just putting it out there. But have you read Laws of Attraction? 
Yes, I, I read a lot of uh, Napoleon Hill, oh, yeah. um, a lot of his work. Um, you know, funny, I, I bring up Oprah as well. She's a huge advocate for the law of attraction. Um, a lot of her videos um, I listen to and definitely everything law of attraction to secret. It's funny because years and years ago when I was about 24, maybe someone brought the secret up to me and someone played a video and I was like, oh, that's, I don't want to watch that. Trash, you know? right? I was it, like, what is this? Low budget in yeah. terms of the production mm -hmm. of it for sure. Yep. Yeah. But when you really get self-aware and you start to meditate and you really just dig deep, like it's real. Yeah. It's real. And so it could work either for you or it could work against you. Yeah. And it's really the the main thing that I got from law of attraction is believing. You could sit and think about whatever you want to think about all day. Um, but it's what you truly believe in. Sure. It's do you believe, you know, this business is gonna be a huge success? It may not happen in twelve months, twenty-four months, thirty-six months. Yeah. But it will happen if you truly, truly believe. And, and if it doesn't, then that what that business, what that will do is open up opportunity for you to do something that you're really supposed to be doing. So um, I'm really big on the law of attraction. Good. What books do you read? Anything self-help. Um, I wish I could read for pleasure, but I really don't. Um, I'm um, actually the same way. <laughs> My wife will tell you. Exactly. Uh, the Magic of Thinking Big. Um, that's Which, huge book. what happened? What, what did you just learn? <laughs> we, we, you just purchased that book and you're reading that book. So that's awesome. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's, that's a really big book for me. And, and honestly, um, a book that I read and when I really got into, into really reading, I read a book called the psychology of sales by Brian Tracy. And that book really helped me shift my mindset. Um, when I got into sales. So I believe everything is sales no matter what, but that book really, really helped me. Psychology. One more time for the visionary. The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, top five books. Go. Whew. Top five books. Definitely The Psychology of Selling. Um, crucial Conversations, because in business, you have to learn how to have crucial conversations. And in that book, it has a whole... Um, a whole study guide of uh, crucial conversations. And I, I don't remember the author of this one, but the five lessons a millionaire taught me. Oh, Am I at three now? Uh, and of course, the magic of thinking big, uh, that would be uh, number four. And of course, I can't end this without saying uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Obviously, that's a really, really good book. Everyone should read that book. And I, I read it a lot. Yeah, I try to read that one you have at the to, very beginning of the year. You have to keep reading it. Yeah. You're going to find something different every time. Have you, and I, I've talked about this on in season one uh, of the podcast, and everybody is, if you've gotten to this point, uh, you've heard me mention it before, but it's been a while, so bear with me. But have you had a chance to, are you familiar with David Goggins? No. Okay. I'm going to show you the book offline, but you definitely david goggins yes you definitely definitely have to read his book um he can't hurt me that's the name of it yeah he can't hurt me yeah i'll i'll, I'll show it to you i've got it on uh, my kindle so you know i can't can't share it with you but um let me ask you this so in terms of you know who do you look up to from a professional perspective um as well as a personal on a personal level Whew, that's man, that's that's a good question. On a professional, I don't have anyone in the physical form that I would say that I have access to. There was no 
that I would consider like a mentor on a professional level. Okay. Well, what about a non-physical form? Um, I like a lot of people. Um, I listen to, I, I watch a lot of um, Tony Robbins, right? He's just crazy loud he's and motivational. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I, but he's not like someone I can just call up and be like, hey, Tony, you know, I need hours of time, right? Um, but I do Tony Robbins. Not now, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always watched a lot of Brian Tracy videos. Oprah, I love Oprah. Mm-hmm. Um, just because her story is so so awesome. Um, I mean, it's just any anyone motivational. I just I pay attention to. You, awesome. you definitely caught me off guard with that one. On a personal, I don't know. I just myself, I would say. I mean, you're, yourself, you, on a personal note, you just really have to dig deep and become self-aware of who you are. And because if it's, if it's a personal level, you just have to just trust your own self and your truth, find your truth. Okay. So uh, we're getting ready to land this plane, okay. but we're going to do things a little bit differently. I wanted to give you one final, you know, 15, 30 second blast to all of our visionaries. Um, what is it that you would love for them to take away from this episode? Hmm. I would say um, anyone out there, if you are looking to start a business, if you are um, at a job or if you just feel stuck, the good news is you realize that you're stuck. And I would just say, keep pushing, keep believing yourself and create a go, go, go mentality to where you're constantly thinking, you're constantly creating, and you're acting. You're, you're writing your goals down and you're implementing and create not only a vision, um, but create a, um, a blueprint on how you're going to get that vision accomplished. You have to, you have, to have some type of guidance. So I would say that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Never give up. Create your own opportunities. Well, Cena, I appreciate you coming on the Vision Lab podcast and letting me interview you. Thank you, babe, for inviting me on here. This has been great. Uh, Like I said, you're an inspiration to all of us. Continue being that motivated woman. Yes. And inspiring and helping others. I think, you know, you always pay it forward and you inspire other people to do that. So, I mean, if women continue to work together and grow, we can truly be a force. So Absolutely. thank you so much. Well, listen, I want to say thank you to both of you powerful, motivated women. Um, you know, it was an honor to meet and really dive deep. It's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, you guys are fun. With you, yeah, definitely. Uh, and my babe, my baby, <laughs> <laughs> my baby, my baby. Um, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I think we're gonna have to do this again and maybe kind of spin this off and let you get your own thing going. So, um, you know, I love you and this was awesome. So, so now that we're done with all that lovey dovey stuff, we, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. It was something a little different. We want to put folks in front of you guys that, uh, are really doing it and doing it big in the, in the market. Right. Uh, hopefully you guys had an opportunity to listen from the motivated woman, Miss Cena Banks, and see all the wonderful things that she's doing, all the different businesses that she's creating, how her mindset has shifted, and uh, hopefully uh, your beliefs and have changed and you guys are, are now inspired to become the best versions of yourselves. So uh, on behalf of the Vision Lab Podcast, I'm Ryan Cuffey. Ryan Mosley's out tonight, but we will see you on the next episode.
Peace.